The left-wing media, George Shirah, and the Chinese general, Wang Jingzi. What all these have to do with the news of the day? Try this on for size. For decades, the leftists inhabiting the news media have angered conservatives by selectively ignoring stories that make anyone they are sympathetic to look bad and focusing on any story that makes someone they oppose look bad. The right has always responded with muted criticism and overt attempts to make the media like them. This strategy has only resulted in failure. In a dramatic departure from this, Trump has outright attacked and demeaned the left-wing media, a strategy that has coalesced the support of those fed up with the leftist media and driven the media and those that have benefited from their biased reporting completely insane. The media has sought to destroy Trump in a campaign of circular logic hate smearing. The media underpants gnome strategy goes something like this. Step one, define your opponent as a hateful racist, sexist, homophobic bigot. Step two, construe everything your opponent does or says as being hateful because obviously he is already hateful. Step three, Profit. Rinse and repeat until your enemy is completely politically neutered. They even went so far as to openly state that anyone who votes for Trump is a racist, hateful bigot. It's like they think that anyone who supports Trump at all gets together with their friends and family during the holidays and listens to the alt-right Christmas album, featuring Richard Spencer and David Duke singing I'm Dreaming of a White Ethnostate. Fact check, false. There is a very strict three Reichs and you're out rule. The right doesn't want America to be an ethnostate. Trump has, since the moment he started his campaign, made numerous moves, statements, and tweets that, when considered individually, seem completely insane. Each of these moves has been very easy for the left-wing media to construe as hateful, making it very easy for them to continue executing their preferred strategy. What they haven't realized is that these moves are pointillist, like a George Seurat painting. Sarai used a multitude of little dots that only reveal an image when viewed from further away. Taking the bait, the media has held a magnifying glass to each dot, criticized each and every one, and failed to see the bigger picture. Why has Trump done this? In the Book of Key, the 36 stratagems of Wang Jingzi are described. Among these strategies are the empty fort strategy, feign madness but keep your balance, and remove the ladder when the enemy has ascended to the roof. For better than 18 months, Trump has delivered the building blocks to the media with which they have constructed a house of madness. In this case, it's a Trump tower of political madness. Making bizarre tweet after inflammatory statement, Trump has referred to the media as f the fake news media, calling them an enemy of the people, conspicuously not invited outlets who have reported falsehoods about the supposed Russia connection, and then refused to set the record straight when the truth has been learned, to a gaggle, and even called for preventing the media from using unnamed sources. He let them build this house of insanity, and then seemed to inhabit it. That's the empty fort strategy. If that weren't enough, he went on and on about his inauguration crowd size, insisted that millions of fraudulent ballots were cast against him, stated that he had the biggest electoral victory since Reagan, even though none of those things are true. I could go on, but you get the point. In doing so, Trump has feigned madness, but kept his balance, and then scheduled an address to a joint session of Congress for earlier this week. In a frenzy, the left-wing media and their allies in the Democratic Party breathlessly assembled atop the Trump Tower political madness to witness the final nail in the coffin of the Trump presidency and the conservative movement. This was to be the focal point of the insanity of Trump and the Waterloo of their enemies. Shockingly to everyone, Trump gave what even Anderson Cooper had to admit was one of the greatest presidential speeches of modern times. With that, Trump pulled the ladder out from under his enemies and trapped them 
alone on top of what is their Tower of Madness. Now we have enough dats to back away and see the big picture. It looks like this. The Democrats and their left-wing media friends are trapped atop the tower. Kellyanne Conway dousing the base of the tower in gasoline and Trump casually tossing a match. With Trump's enemies thoroughly defeated, the Republicans in Congress can now get to the business of reforming the tax code, repealing and replacing Obamacare, and Trump can get the regulatory climate under control. Is this going to be smooth sailing from here? Of course not. Trump executed a good plan, but he's still Trump. He isn't going to stop taking unpresidential shots at his enemies, and his economic plan has many flaws that should make any conservative take pause. But at least now we know that Trump is nobody's fool. I'm Nicholas Hoftel. This is Milwaukee Logic. So today, as other days have been and other days will be, we are recording here with Andy, the ass man, glass man, and Jeremy for oh. the second time. Actually, the second time for both of you. Hola. Hello. <clears throat> so Jeremy, this week, will not be advocating for mining the border of Mexico. I didn't advocate for it last time. <laughs> we talked about this. If you can't mental exercise. <clears throat> if you can't understand Nick, it's because he's got a big piece of monster pizza in his mouth. It's just pizza. It's monster pizza. And the company is called Monster Pizza. For good reason. Good reason. <clears throat> 2960 Locust. I mean, Humboldt. Check it out. Be there. Be square. But you're not monster. <clears throat> So, today, the BAC is probably averaging around, what would you, uh, if you had to guess, Ooh. ass man, grass man. I mean, how, or I think we're into multiples of legal limit by now. No, come on, don't be silly. <laughs> yeah. I think we're pushing, you know, I don't know. 20, and Jeremy is drinking the red wine for the classic solo cup. I'm classy. Red Solo Cup. Speaking of, I think you drank one of my bottles of wine. Did I? Because I had two, and other was just one. <laughs> I replaced that. We got a little crazy this weekend. Huffle Cellars. <laughs> the family winery. <laughs> I will. Uh, I will solve that. So this week, um, Trump gave a speech. Widely hailed as. One of the greatest presidential speeches of all time. It's quite a statement. So, so, I heard. I heard some clips. It was. Uh, it was. He was way more well spoken than I was Im- imagining. Than uh, he has been during the campaign and over the past few months. It was pretty polished, as far as I could tell. I have a long-standing policy to not listen to political speeches or debates. <laughs> Uh, this has lasted since the last time I listened to a political speech was when uh, George W. Bush addressed the Joint Congress after 9/11. So since then I have not. We so know. I've seen tiny little bits of that speech, but just no, no more than a couple of seconds. I remember here that. We normally meet here to discuss the state of our union, but we know the state of our union, and it's strong. I remember. I remember that. Uh, I remember that speech vividly. I remember that part of it. I remember seeing all the Congress standing on the steps of the Capitol and joining hands and singing "God Bless America" together. <laughs> the only time you'll ever see that shit. <laughs> I uh, I kind of you know felt like Sam the Eagle, just a little, just a little proud. A little pride. Pride. Right. <clears throat> I do not remember that. 
How do you not remember that? I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. You're too busy smoking pot and driving around in an automobile. <laughs> no comment. Oh, that was before that. <clears throat> that was before you were 16. Uh, yeah, that was. Uh, when did you get the Ultimate Pile, Andy? That was probably junior year. Oh, eight? No, wait. Hold on. Oh, three. Jesus Christ. You <laughs> graduated in oh, 04. The hell is wrong with you? Oh, jeez. I know. I, I like, had the I'm old moment the other day when a coworker was like, oh, yeah, I went to West Bend. And I said, oh, yeah, what year did you graduate? And they're like, oh, nine. I'm like, oh, me too. <laughs> and then I realized that's when I graduated college. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, shit, I'm old. I'm older. Uh, well, <laughs> it's a slow when 9-11 happened, I was in the first year of my first management job and had uh, been years? out of college okay, <laughs> for, so you, uh, for five years. I graduated from high school in 1992, so, I mean, not enormously older than you are, but... Humble brag. It's tough. This is simply unacceptable. What is, what is going on over there? What the hell is that? So apparently I won't be reading off of that article today <laughs> because it's filled with annoying uh, clickbait ads that just play randomly. K-pop music. So that happens when you get your news. K-pop, J-pop. So what happens when you get to get all your news from BuzzFeed, Nick? So I'm not sure I've ever been on BuzzFeed. <clears throat> so one thing I talked about a little bit in the monologue that were egregiously just abandoning. Oh yeah. How left-wing the media is, the level of bias. There's a lot of, uh, there's some disagreement here from some people who just naturally agree with all those biases and don't admit that it exists. So I just wanted to uh, run through a few classic examples and then we can uh, get distracted, get more drunk and discuss. Uh, number one. Back in the 50s and 40s, the, uh, the media would not be honest about how terrible Joseph Stalin was and the level of mass murder going on in Russia, the, the devastation. Um, we were talking about Walter Duranty, uh, like when we were, uh, before we were recording, Jeremy, you were talking about Walter Duranty, um, Yes. Of course, this article right in front of me mentions it, and I had totally blotted it out of my memory, apparently. But awarding themselves a, a Pulitzer Prize for talking about how great life in the Soviet Union was compared to the, the terrible and oppressive U.S. All the bread lines and things like that. <clears throat> the bread lines. Forced, forced uh, starvation and, uh, you know, crops feeling. Millions of people died because, you know, they, of the planned economy and you know I think there was uh, some kind of uh, engineered uh, food shortages and whatnot so to begin with I mean when they had they had better control of the people certainly like after World War two because they were just so beleaguered or I don't even know if that's true I wonder like how level like how good their level of control ever was I mean from reading we the living, which is like, uh, granted it was a novel, but it was Ayn Rand's like first novel, and like her, what she said was the closest thing to an autobiography that will ever be written about her and her life before she left the Soviet Union. It seemed like within a few years, they had no control over what was going on at all. 
on the inside. If somebody had a big house, in no time they had to split that house with like two people, and then it's like, oh, you have a whole, like, you have a whole floor. Now there's three more people to split it with. And after a while it was like, you have a whole room to yourself, dude. You need to split that room with like three people. <laughs> and of course there's no like actual work because all the people that had manufacturing plants and everything got wiped out during the revolution. And the people that survived it, that used to have stuff, were looked at as terrible and members of the bourgeoisie and not allowed to be members of the party or get um, get party jobs or anything like that. Well, I would definitely recommend, Nick, that you read The Gulag Archipelago by Solzhenitsyn because it definitely talks a lot about that and how... I mean, it, 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 it talks about how Russia kind of self-destructed because it was so easy to accuse someone of being against the party. And so yeah. if you were successful or stood out in some way, if you were a really good engineer at the power plant, someone was going to turn you in because they wanted your job or they got jealous and it just really or they tore, your yeah, they tore through the talented go-getting type of, of people. Um, I'm trying to find, I'm trying to, to Google up, I years ago read a book about um, the Great Leap Forward in China, which um, had a lot of very similar problems. So they would take, uh, they deliberately went and took all the intellectual who were educated, had learning, and they'd go and move you out to the farm to work on the farm. And they took all the farm people to have all like the positions of authority in the government, etc. And, of course, it destroyed the farming because these guys didn't know how to farm and it screwed up the government because people didn't know how to administer or do all the stuff that they needed to do. Makes a lot of sense. And this yeah. is an autobiography from, a, from a, a guy who grew up in that era and his dad had been a professor and he got moved. Was and this I, early in the, in the Soviet Union or was this later on? No, this is in China. This okay. is Mao's, oh, yeah, this right. is Mao's China, greatly, okay. greatly forward. So that was their trying to make things fair and balanced. It's like, oh, you, you're you rural. We're going to bring you into the city. You're a city-type person. We're going to mm-hmm. put you in the in the field so that we can equalize the work to do or work to be done and things like that. And it just obviously didn't work. Yeah, it just... For the same reason that the planned economies don't work. Well, in that case, it's totally unplanned. If you like, if you have that level of chaos, I mean, obviously they had so many people that they just did not care. I mean, I mean, Mao Zedong. I mean, what is it like? Eighty million people were allowed to starve to death, either starve to death or just flat out slaughtered under his regime. Are they allowed to starve? So at this time, like these are things that we know now, but. Back then, when this stuff was actually happening and we were trying to determine the future of our own political system, this was largely shielded from knowledge of the American populace and the, the voting base. Uh, number two, Castro's cheerleaders. So, and this kind of, this never really ended. Like this never, like even after Castro died, there was a lot of people that were very laudatory of Castro as he was a, a revolutionary fighting for the people. He was a mass murderer. The, liberal, the media lied about him then. They lied about him through his whole existence and they lied about him after he dead. Or after he died. 
Che Guevara, too. I mean, he just would go, he'd, he'd have a line of people, and he'd walk down shooting them in the head. You know, he was a horrible, horrible person. But, uh, you know, hey, what do I need to do to get my face on that many T-shirts? Yeah. <laughs> if I've got to just walk down a line of 80 people and shoot them in the head, by gosh, that's what i got to do. And that always, always goes back to the, to the leftist thinking of it. If it fits on a bumper sticker, makes a cool T-shirt. Like that's that's all you need to know. It must like, be great. It's hey, that's a cool T-shirt. I'm gonna I'm gonna wear it too. And there's not a ton of thought put into it. There, yeah, there's not enough knowledge about like what Che did, what Castro did. Um, there's a lot of focus on. Actually, I mean, at this point, there's no focus anymore on what was before the revolution. But. <clears throat> It's kind of it's just ignored because they're they're communists. They were supposedly fighting for the people, and if there's any victimization that's talked about, it's them being victims of us for having an embargo on them for all these years. And if it wasn't for the embargo, everything would be great. Yeah. <clears throat> Unfortunately, this is not the case even a little bit. There's the the famous speech from 1964 at the the RNC that Ronald Reagan gave. <clears throat> he talked about talking to a businessman who escaped from Cuba to America and talking about him and he was describing what was going on and what was happening and what he got away from and Reagan talked to the guy that he was you know, listening to this with and said man we don't know we don't know how lucky we have it and the Cuban said to him how lucky you have it what are you talking about how lucky I am I had somewhere to go if this happens here ain't nobody lucky and line after that was this is there's nowhere else to escape to. This is the last stand on earth for freedom. Um, next thing I want to pick out DDT. DDT, terrible, horrible chemicals, causing mutations, to, uh, killing kids. Bald eagle eggs. Bald eagle eggs. Yes, bald eagles laying eggs and they smash before they even hit the. The twigs that they are making their nests out of. It's a big omelet. So really, I mean, the real story here is, yeah, like DDT is kind of gross and bad, but it killed a lot of mosquitoes and the amount of deaths due to malaria in Africa, especially, that increased because we aren't using DDT all over the world. It's, uh, it's estimated that millions of deaths in Africa spiked up due to malaria after the after DDT was banned. We stopped making it and shipping it all over the place. Uh, my, could, what? Well, then now with Zika and things like that, there I guess that's kind of the... Not, that has nothing to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> Not really sure where you're going with that. Um, we're, talking about, we're talking about mosquito-borne illnesses. I just kind of jumped on the bandwagon there. <laughs> so there was... Um, when was this? The, the 2012 Olympics... One of the, the Grecian athletes, female track and field athletes. Gosh, I wish uh, I wish I remember the exact quote here, but she got kicked off a team, and this is I mean this is ridiculous. I can't believe that anyone would like actually say this, but at the same time, it was it was kind of funny at the time. Not not like the things that what she actually said wasn't funny, but just like the reaction to it was funny. She when she they were talking about West Nile virus or whatever, and. Uh, 
some of the athletes that she was competing against from Africa coming up there, and she thought it was interesting that now this the, the West Nile um, mosquitoes are going to get some home cooking. It's pretty messed we up. This? It was one of the one of the Greek athletes got kicked off the team for saying that. Mm. I think she like, she might have been drunk. I don't know. It was ridiculous. Probably. It was one of those things where you heard it, you're like, holy shit, like somebody said that. Like, kind of funny, but fucked up. Well, summarily kicked off the team. So, one of the, uh, the lions of leftism for many, many decades was Teddy Kennedy. And we can't talk about liberal media bias without discussing the story of Edward Kennedy. At the fundraiser... In 1968, as he was preparing for his run for the presidency of the United States, the highest office in the land, he, uh, as was his wont, had a bit, more than a bit, way too much to drink, um, convinced a young, attractive female by the name of Kopechny. To leave with him in his car as he went back to Chappaquiddick. On the drive, he mysteriously went off the road, went off of a bridge. The car plunged into the water. He managed to get out of the car, swam to shore. Within almost earshot, Certainly viewing distance, he was able to see a porch light. And he, he made his way to the house that that porch light was on. Knocked on the door. It was loud inside. Given it was 1968, the odds that that house didn't have a phone, I would say, are about zero. The young lady was still in that car, under the water. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't call 911. <clears throat> he didn't call the cops. He didn't call anybody. He went to sleep. He waited until the morning until, if anyone would be surprised, his BAC was below, below a suspicious level. They reported it then. <clears throat> First responders found the car under the water. Kopechny's face pushed up against the highest corner of the car. She apparently had for hours been pressing her face into the, the last air pocket available in the car because she couldn't get out but she could move just far enough to reach an air pocket that was trapped inside of the car until eventually all the oxygen in that air pocket had run out and she suffocated. <clears throat> A slow and agonizing death, surely filled with terror for the entire time. What well, was not a couple minutes, but was hours. I don't even know how you go on to have a political career after that. And something like that is covered up. The media now is more than proud to tell us which lives matter. The black lives matter, other lives don't particularly matter because apparently we already have power or some shit. Why didn't her life matter? 
Why does nobody care? Why did it never matter? Knowing that, and given what that what happened that day, it's difficult to... <clears throat> well, he got two months, two months incarcer- incarceration, so I mean, that's something. That's something. That's something. <laughs> His career continued unabated. It's hard to take them seriously. There's no way that a conservative or really a Republican of any any stripe within the conservative movement would ever be given that kind of preferential treatment, that kind of cover. Um, another fun one, looking at the way Robert Bork and Clarence Thomas were treated versus, say, Sonia Sotomayor. Robert Bork was a, he was a good man, he was attacked and destroyed by the media. The, like his name became a verb for being borked, attacked by the media, gleefully borked. taking you apart. They tried to do the same thing against Clarence Thomas in 1991. He was only confirmed by a vote of uh, 52 to 48. Um, who's the woman that he supposedly? Why is this escaping me right now? Anita Hill. Yes. Kind of the, the running joke is anytime that somebody is going after Thomas, they're, you're just surprised that they don't just try it out and need a hill right then. But basically, if you ever, like, uh, the accusations against Thomas at the time would be hilarious if they weren't so ridiculous. That when working with Anita Hill in, I believe it was in the 80s, that he apparently, while hitting on her, uh, compared himself to the porn star Long Dong Silvers, <laughs> which I always—I mean, if I, I was gonna I have something made up about me, <laughs> I would want to make up, have something made up about me where I got compared to Long Dong Silvers because that's pretty cool. Past that, there was what a pubic hair on a kilt can. Captain <clears throat> anybody? Yeah, he—I think believe he commented that in a meeting or something that this kilt can had a pubic hair on it. I was semi paying attention because I was in high school at that time. Like high school, <laughs> yeah. I was in kindergarten. I had to read all this later. <clears throat> um, compare that to say Lena Kagan, who had ruled that book burning was okay. Um, Sonia Sotomayor, who was very explicit in her belief that the point of view provided by an old wise Latina. At least there's two things there that we can't debate. <clears throat> Would be better than some crusty old white guy. And just the inherent racism in that kind of a statement. But that th- those, those things are given a pass. But good people on the right, you get attacked. Um, what's kind of interesting to me is I wonder if Gorsuch is escaping some scrutiny now. Not, I mean, he's a, he's a good guy. He's a textualist. I can't imagine any legitimate attack on him, but that's never stopped the media before. I kind of was, it seemed to me almost like Trump was saying so much shit as to distract attention away from the nomination of Gorsuch. Probably, yeah. Version. It's hard to say. Uh, Who doesn't remember the election in 2000 when, based on exit polls, it looked like Gore was going to win and how gleefully 
NBC and others reported that it was, it was already decided. It was over. The election was over. Only to then uh, have to unmake it being decided and eventually lose. Uh, the KKK took my baby away. We, we talked about this. I, yeah, no, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> the the KKK, Jim Crow. These are these are of the Democrat Party. These are of the left. These are progressive. The KKK was a progressive movement. Obviously, it, it first sprouted up after the Civil War, but then died for a very long time. It was resurrected in 1915 after the movie. Rise of a Nation? No, Birth of a Nation. Birth of a Nation. Lost my mind for a second. Which, the... <laughs> the race-baiting movie that came out this last year of the same name, which is basically about a slave uprising where they got to kill a bunch of white babies. Alright, maybe uh, I haven't have seen you, Have you seen the movie? I didn't watch the movie. So you are relying on second-hand accounts. <laughs> I am. <laughs> but that was a big part of it. But what was important to me is that they picked the same name in the midst of the BLM movement. They picked that same name. The movie that's, that respawned the Ku Klux Klan, they picked that movie, or they picked that name to attach their movie and to depict destroying like slaves escaping, which is you know great, and then... Killing and destroying whatever's in their path to, to in their quest for getting away or revenge. Well, I would I would caution against uh, excoriating the film if you haven't seen it. Uh, I would rely on your own first-hand impressions. Um, personally, I don't really uh, have a problem with violent slave uprisings. I mean, you know, someone purporting to own you, I think it's uh, all right to stab in the face with a pitchfork. So I don't know, like, you know, I Django Unchained. I had no problem with that movie. It was fun. That's the but there of people that. people talked about, oh, it's it's going to cause all this uh, racial animus, and I saw that in a very uh, integrated uh, movie. So my to my right was a black lesbian couple, and to my uh, wife's left was another uh, black couple. It was about fifty fifty white black in the theater. Everybody had a good time. I was not afraid of being stabbed in the face with a pitchfork myself uh, when the movie was over. Uh, so, and that was, if anything, more over the top, I'm sure, than a serious, a supposedly serious movie uh, like Birth of a Nation. So, but I would just caution, you're, you're making lots of assertions about this film, which you have not seen. I mean, the choice it, of a name could, is pretty blatant. Well, I'm sure. It's pretty I, obvious. I, I, would, I would, it came out. I would guess that it was done it was in, summer some of kind of irony, in some kind of irony. Uh... I don't know. Trying to get more publicity for it too. I mean, it's all films are all about making money. Whether yeah, they have some culture aspect to them too. And the directors embroiled in some exactly. controversy That's because the of thing. Like, he you're was talking accused about the of rape, and the woman who accused he was Nate exonerated. Parker. He was exonerated, but uh, well, he was acquitted. I should say, I think. But the the accuser later killed herself. So. Hard to know the details. There, there's more than enough to go on. Given like, given the individual involved, the purpose of the movie, and I saw, I saw enough clips of it, and then along with personal friends who saw all of it and like actually had to put up with watching all of it. 
It's fine. I myself will refrain from making any any characterizations about the film. Okay. I did well, not even know this film existed until right now. <laughs> but maybe I should go see it. Anyway. Uh, the, the point of the comment is how the KKK was a movement of the left. It was a progressive movement. It was brought, it was re-sparked by the first movie called Birth of a Nation. W.D. Griffith, I think. And um, it, it should also be noted that the the statification of marriage, the creation of marriage licenses was a, a policy of Southern Democrats so that they could regulate and prevent marriage between whites and blacks. What's your source for that? Because I think there have been marriage licenses in the world for a, a long time. Marriage was, for from the founding of the country, it was considered, I mean, in the world, that could be, but marriage was between two people and their god. But I'm the most uninformed person at this table right now. <laughs> so according well, to how we according forget. to Wikipedia, which we know is an unimpeachable source, I only trust WikiLeaks. But uh, marriage license application records from government authorities are widely available starting from the mid 19th century. Some are available dating from the 17th century in colonial America. Marriage licenses have been acquired since 1639 in Massachusetts, with their use gradually expanding to other jurisdictions. Noted home of slavery, Massachusetts was the first one I mean the whole it, I think it's ridiculous that uh, the government requires you to get well they don't require you but there there's so much around marriage licenses and benefits that you get from having a marriage license and how it ties into your health insurance and your taxes and all the stuff where it's like the government why can't the government just leave well enough alone like what does it does it matter does it really matter when it comes down to it it's just one more way to keep track of everybody well I personally I don't have a huge objection to uh, granting uh, special privileges to arrangements that enhance the public good which I would argue that marriage does but um, we have such divergent ideas of, of what uh, what the public good consists of anymore that I don't know that it's terribly helpful. But in, uh, in theory, it's perfectly fine for someone to say, yeah, you're married, you can get extra stuff because uh, that just stabilizes society. And, you know, married men stab people in the face less, etc. Married men stab people in the face less? Among other things. So there's the yeah there's the argument that is is you want um, you need the testosterone of males as they begin to actually pursue careers to drop a little bit so they can be a little bit more stable and marriage and having kids is the most proven way to drop testosterone to a palatable level. <laughs> um, it is I mean that's a pretty proven. I shouldn't say proven. It's it's been demonstrated. I would be interested to know what the actual difference is because well, I have not seen that. You, you don't have to get to that level. I mean, sociological studies have shown that you know men commit less crime and are less uh, move around less and or have have less negative outcomes if they're uh, married as opposed to not married. So American colonies, 
several of the colonies, including Massachusetts, required marriage certificate marriages to be registered. But until the mid-19th century, state Supreme Courts routinely ruled that public cohabitation was sufficient evidence of valid marriage. Oh, yeah. Co- common law marriage. Common law marriage. Yeah. By the later sure. part of that century, the United States began to nullify common law marriages. Well, By the on. 1920s, 38 states prohibited whites from marrying blacks, mulattoes, Japanese, Chinese, Indians, Mongolians, Mal- Malays. Hmm. I thought that was a Jimmy Carter speech. Or Filipinos. Twelve states did not issue a marriage license if one partner was a drunk, <laughs> son of a bitch, Good luck for you. <laughs> an addict, or a mental defect. Eighteen states had barriers to remarriage after divorce. So, um, it was not invented. That was a misstatement and not true. But again, 1920s, birth of a nation was 1915. The, the rebirth of the KKK, the turning the progressive movement into a almost eugenic movement. Um, President Wilson, yeah. Wilson was re, definitely... Resegregated the military. Mm-hmm. The military had been integrated. He resegregated the military. I mean, he was a, a pretty horrible, pretty horrible person. Who do you think is more hated in the media these days, though? The KKK or the Westboro Baptist Church? Oh man! I mean, that's I feel a, like the Westboro Baptist that's Church a might, competition. Well, might be getting more hate these days. I'm from I mean, Kansas. Probably deserve it. I, <laughs> I have been in Topeka and run run into these people. The first time I actually ran into some Westboro Baptist people, I was uh, working for uh, the county, and we had gone up to Topeka for some training. So we were training in the state office building, and so the instructor said, "Hey, there's this great Mexican restaurant a couple blocks away. Let's walk down. It's a real nice day." So we're walking there, and I go by, and there's some. Like three people standing uh, on the side of the road with like protest signs, and there was a little ten-year-old girl with a sign that said, "God blew up the space shuttle." Jeez. And we're walking by Which them. One? Uh, and so this, this is right after have, Columbia, or tr- is this before that? I, I can't recall. This is late eighties or mid two thousands. This would have been after ninety six, so it was after either one. So they didn't specify which which space shuttle. But so I'm <laughs> walking for all they care. Two thousand three, both. So this would have been um, probably between 97 and 2000. So, but like I said, it could have been... So this is at least 10 years after Challenger, before Columbia. So it couldn't have been about Columbia. So it's referring to Challenger. <laughs> so God blew up Challenger. God and blew up 10 the years show. later, hold the sign. Why? Because and so I'm, th- th- I had never heard of Westboro before this. And so we're walking to this Mexican restaurant and asked the lady from the state who was teaching this class... What the hell did I just see? Some <laughs> yeah. little girl with a god blow up the space shuttle sign. She goes, "Oh, that's this church. They're just they're crazy. They just go on the street and protest stuff." So that was my first actual uh, experience. But the you know the Patriot Guard uh, that they, they drive the motorcycles and they, they do escort military funerals and they'll turn up their motors really oh, loud yeah. so they can't so they can't hear the that started in Mulvane, Kansas, home of many bikers who don't like the Westboro Baptist Church. There's actually a sign when you drive into town. It says Mulvane, Kansas, birthplace of the Patriot Guard. Is the Patriot Guard the ones that don't like the? They're the ones that don't like the uh, uh, Westboro Baptist Church. They will like escort the family to okay. the to the funeral, and they'll kind of surround the nice. funeral with their motorcycles and turn up the engines so that the family can't hear the protesters, because the protesters 
Um, as yeah, they've been up to like West Bend and stuff to protest. They've been all over the place. I don't know what they're. How big is that? I don't know what they're. Uh, it's like fifty people. They're all tiny little group. They're all related to that one guy. So it's like a family church. They're all related. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So it's like the entire Islamic world. Uh, <clears throat> so anyway, where were we? Oh yeah. So when I said that. The marriage license was invented to prevent whites and blacks from marrying. That was not true. It was just not was used as not means. generally validated as necessary until the 1920s, when then 38 states used it to prohibit whites and blacks from marrying. So back to the point. I was not the exact, government. I was not completely correct. Should be out of that any. The government should. The government shouldn't be involved in it at all. Yeah. They shouldn't be involved in giving you a piece of paper and then enforcing that you can or can't marry somebody. Because that, that's allowing them to just, to, uh, to giving them the power to say that you're married also gives them the power to say who cannot marry, which is obviously what they did. And it, that's why you want them not to be involved in everything. But it shouldn't be a discussion. It's not a discussion that has any business in the public realm. It's a debate literally not worth having because yeah. you're, you're tempted to get involved in stuff that you shouldn't. And your defenses for it are gonna not make a whole lot of sense. Like, well, it's the same thing where the uh, where government wants to be involved in your healthcare. Well, that gives them the power to tell you what you can and can't do and what you should and shouldn't do. What coverage? What you coverage can and can't you can have, and can't have? What what different insurances need to or, or need to cover for people that, for instance, that as a man you need to be covered for childbirth. My odds of giving birth to a child are not, not real good, let's just say. Because you don't have a womb. Uh, it's, you can't have babies if you don't have a womb. I've had two surgeries in the abdominal area, and they didn't find one yet. They might have put one in, but... Um, so let's move on. Next, next, oh, this one's beautiful. Classic. The inventor of fake news. Not the inventor, but in recent memory, the man who is the best example of fake news. Dan Rather. Dan Rather! <laughs> 2004. So I am, you know, I'm a, a big uh, Twitter guy, and I'll see people, I don't follow Dan Rather, but he people retweeting him and his... his uh, Thoughts on you know integrity in the news, etc. Oh, that was classic. And I think this why does not why is he not laughed out of the room every time he opens his mouth? Why is he, he is, like, you think he is self aware enough? What's his to biggest shut the hell up? What's his biggest faux pas? Two thousand four. Well, you, you don't recall that he re- pu- pu- published this story uh, of uh, a uh, a memo from the Texas Air National Guard talking mm-hmm. about how George W. Bush had had gone AWOL. What? Um, and within, like, hours, it was... It was, like it was no debunked. Time. There was this... There was a website that took an image... The memo was made, like... Yeah, it had to be made in they, Microsoft they, Word. Yeah, they took in an, 1973. They took an image of um, the the memo that was provided, you know, on the website for CBS News, and then they 
hand typed in Microsoft Word the same words in the same layout, and they just had a little GIF that went back and forth between the two, and they were identical. <laughs> and it had, I mean, it was obviously this was written in Microsoft Word. There weren't typewriters that existed that could because they had like variable yeah. fonts. You know, fonts. Like you know, Clippy a, was on fonts there. in a computer will kind of like moving closer depending on you know, mm-hmm. so they're not always kerning. the space between them. Yeah, the kerning. So uh, it, just that alone. But rather, just insisted and would not admit it, and kept, and that's basically why he he was forced to retire out of because CBS. well, he didn't retire. He was yeah. out, he was kicked out of CBS because he forced just to leave CBS, he, he would say. not admit. And the whole story about how he got the memo was this crazy Byzantine thing where some anonymous person approached this producer and said, "I have this information," and they Jeez. like had some weird exchange, you know, and then they got this, and I thought it was it was too good to check, and it was. Clearly, I mean, I, I'm I'm not. It was kind of the the explosion of the of of blogs because it was really the, mm-hmm. the national news media was not interested in pursuing the story, but all these bloggers, some guy who just was obsessive about typewriters and fonts, mm-hmm. was like that doesn't look right, and he, <laughs> and within hours had put up stuff that pretty definitively showed this this was impossible to have been produced on a on a, a manual typewriter in the 70s. And um, they had, like, just word usage that they didn't use in the Texas International Guard. and all, It would not have taken very much effort to look into this and, and yeah. prove this is ridiculous. It's not true. And he, to, to this day, has not admitted wow. <laughs> that this was a false story. Uh, it's, it's, it's funny because it's like it wasn't even... Like he found the source, it was like a source of a source. Yeah, he was someone. Someone approached CBS News about yeah. this. Well, it's it's interesting how the internet really kind of empowers both sides of that. Where there's the people that will investigate to find every bit of truth and expose things like that. But then and there's the, the flip side. Pizzagate crazy. There's people. like Pizzagate, the people that think like Sandy Hook was like a whole conspiracy and it never happened to like what? for gun yeah. control, and they're like harass people that were affected by it and yeah. things like you get like both sides of the coin on that one it's insane so people were like on their own I mean there was like what eight people I think that mm-hmm. Sandy Hook was bullshit do you do it, you mind if I a bunch of people that just harass that's a fairly them. good movement of people who I don't know what the size of it is but there's it seems like like there's like a few people that just post a lot and I wonder how many of them actually think of it or actually believe that and well, how many of them are just 4chan trollers Oh, I'm, there's a, probably at least a handful of them that believe it 100% and then go I guess it's kind of the same the thing with, like, the, the flat earthers. Because I, I've listened to the, the arguments, they're, they're quite enjoyable, they're fun, and, like, there's just, there's a hint enough of logic where you could, like, make somewhat of an argument and have fun with it. <laughs> But, like, there's no way that you can be like, yeah, this makes sense. Okay, the conspiracy theory people are great fun to listen to. Oh, I yeah. love listening to people talk about chemtrails and the gray aliens and the lizard people. And there are people... The lizard people? Lizard people. Hold who are, on. Who are, you have never oh, heard yeah. of the lizard people. So there are lizard people like... I've been watching these Geico commercials for fucking years. And I'm like, that's a guy! That's a guy in a that's lizard a suit. Dude. That is a dude. And he's a small dude, and he's in—he's either in a suit or he's a dude that looks like a 
fucking lizard, and now what a lizard people? So lizard people, there are people who believe that major like figures in public life and government are actually like lizard people, like the like the TV oh, show like V, Nephilim. like Z, and they have like human, and they have like and they have like humanities. They the the reboot uh, was not bad. There's a reboot. Yeah, a few years ago, I had Miranda Baccarin, and uh, there was lots of cool people in it. Yeah. It was a pretty decent show. Anyway, so they people like, like, oh, yeah. like lizards in something like that. There's like lizard. Wait, that was the reboot? Yeah, oh, shit, the original like, was there in, was like an 80, original. The original was oh, yeah, like in '82. Oh jeez, I only saw the reboot. With original had Mark Singer. See, you're too you're too young. And like Robert Englund. You're not even born yet. Robert <laughs> Robert Englund in one of his first roles was in the miniseries V. Yeah, whoever the hell that is. Robert Englund plays Freddy Krueger. Oh, okay. Come right. on. Come on. Okay, okay. Jeez. <laughs> so, yeah, there are people who believe it's that there are... Answer, okay. There are uh, major... Uh, who's, who's the guy that's on after... Who's on late at night on, like, 1130? Any uh, particular channel? Or? 11, channel All channels, apparently. Oh, what? I have no idea. Uh, on what? On channel 1130. He's on after like Mark Levin and then. It's hard on, on the radio. Oh, yeah, on the radio. The real after radio, the, not these the, interwebs. Oh, oh, <laughs> coast to coast. Coast to coast. Oh, Mark Bell? That Mark, used well, to be Art Bell. Art Bell. Used to be Art Bell. Now it's. Bell. it's, now a it's uh, I don't know, but he's no. freaking hilarious to listen to. He just, like, people call in and just go on these huge things. Like, oh, the ufologist. Yeah, that stuff is great to listen to. It's so oh, much yeah. fun. I love conspiracy theories, and they're ridiculous. The Occam's Razor. Well, I'm not, just, oh, the yeah. simplest solution is usually the right one. Yeah. I'm just like people that many Trump, of these are actually believable. What people are thinking Trump is some chess mastermind. Yeah, with the, the 4D chess or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe 3D chess. Let's not go too far. Well, I guess all chess is 3D, but... What's the, the Spock, the yeah. Spock, the Spock uh, chess board with the three levels? Yeah, that's the, that's, I'm that's assuming the, that's what they mean by 4D chess. Yeah. Even it looks like 3D to me, so I never got really the whole, <laughs> that whole statement. Well, but. you can only, you can, you, you can only, you express the 3D, you can express 3D in 2D, and you can express 4D in 3D. You need, 3D you, is, you need one less level of D to express the level above. 3D would be time and space. 4D would be time and space and then the extra dimension. Get on board, Nick. <laughs> no, 3D would be space. 4D is space plus time. Because space is three dimensions. Right, he's backing like, it off one. Yeah, you're right. I'm not totally <laughs> wrong. <laughs> I thought you were... Never mind. I just, the look on your face was, was worth it enough. It's hard to figure out what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> God. I don't even know Bullshit. where to so, so. When I sounded distant, it was because of drinking wine. Allow me to indulge you with another more obscure Dan Rather story. Okay. So I was Is talking about his dishonesty. The two of you at summer camp? Or um, yeah, well, we had a pack of ripper bands and a couple hours to ourselves. But, Would you rather? Uh, so I was, back when I actually watched... Castrating dogs? What the f- <laughs> Back when I was uh, still... <laughs> when you were still... I still watch it, when I was still watching the news... Uh, this was oh. early in George W. Bush's uh, George W. Bush's um, first term before 9/11, when you guys were like four years old. And um, I was the a big, sophomore in high school. The big story at that time was uh, uh, Cheney's old company. What was that? What's that? Halliburton. Halliburton. And so they there was some scandal with Halliburton, 
And so I was switching back between ABC and CBS back and forth on the news. And so ABC had this news story about Halliburton. There's some accounting scandal. And so they explained what Halliburton was doing. What they were doing was say they'd get a contract that was would go over six uh, quarters, for and they'd get paid once in each quarter. Buck fifty. They would. That's exactly it. <laughs> they would. They would um, show all of the income in that first quarter and not in those other quarters oh. or in that first year and not those other years they wouldn't count it twice they would just count it once but before they got paid hmm. so they described what Halliburton was doing and they had some Harvard business ethics guy saying well it's definitely not illegal it's legal to do this ethically it's questionable you know people can go both ways it's not really a decided question and that was they kind of explained what it was doing had some expert well, from Harvard because they had long term contracts sure. sure this is like a three year contract and they they take they yeah. show all the income in year one but we deal with this we sure. deal with this all well, the time let me, let me continue the story so okay. that was ABC so I switched over to CBS and they just finished the new story and now we're talking about Halliburton so it would be interesting to see how they compare that and so there's Dan Rather showing well Halliburton's been accused of using Enron style accounting uh, <laughs> <laughs> tactics and that was basically it the whole story was just him saying it's Enron style accounting stories the seriousness of the charge and then yes. moved on well one so the heavy implication was they were breaking the law because yeah. that's what Enron was doing things oh, illegal yeah. because all the people went out of business and they didn't provide any detail they didn't have any kind of outside the expert the first winner of best chef they, was actually they, Enron they just because they're the only people that managed to cook a book and make it eatable <laughs> <laughs> so CBS basically just wanted to there, I can think of no other reason besides wanting to to ding George W. Bush and Dick Cheney. W. Uh, I can't think of any other reason yeah, that's not a partisan reason to leave the story like that. They could have done all the stuff the ABC did. It only took them a couple of minutes. Yeah. But they just wanted to, they wanted to leave their viewers with the impression that there was something nefarious going on. Yeah. Well, oh, ABC yeah. was it, explained what was happening, had some expert give you context, and you can make up your own mind. Yeah. And I was, uh, I just, it w I was so struck by that contrast. Well, it was clearly a partisan effort on CBS's part to make you think that all oh, these these are, but that was like one of that was probably like the second big uh, impact in my life on uh, distrusting the media because I have have the opportunity to personally witness big, would, the fake big, news media the fake news media so yes. I've had the opportunity a couple times in my life to personally witness big new big news events Hashtag and then and then read about them later news. and it was just lies people just making stuff up completely national respected news organizations basically describing things as happening that did not happen because I was there and I saw it so uh, yeah Same I tend to things I, I'm not going to get into those details on this podcast, but I'm not I, talking about Nam. I, I, I don't. Uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't trust the news. I mean, even the local news. They. Uh, I stopped watching the news when they kept leading the story for like a week about how there was this crooked cop, or they tried like making it look like there was this crooked cop about how he escorted this guy to an ATM and like took money from him, and then I don't even think they actually ever gave the full story because they let it for so long and it ended up being that the guy was there was a taxi driver and a guy broke his window so the cop was like I hey, remember that let's settle this just like street style I'm gonna escort you to the ATM you pay the taxi driver for the window and we'll call it even nobody gets the ticket blah 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 
It yeah. happened, and then they like that was downtown Milwaukee. Yeah, I remember that. somehow somebody got the the ATM video, the video of like the cops standing there and like taking the money from the guy, and they're like, Ooh. "Crooked cops taking money from citizens." What do you think? Yeah. We're gonna lead this for a whole week, and, <laughs> and then it's gonna be like a two second non-story, and you're like, "Wow, the cop did the right thing." Yeah. I think Kaepernick oh, was probably behind it. Oh. I don't, yeah. I don't. Behind the news stuff. No, I'm just kidding. In, um, in my, in my, one of my previous uh, jobs, part of my job was to deal with news media, and we'd have like an annual kind of uh, season or event where I'd interview, get interviewed a lot and give a lot of information out. And I had local reporters. I realized we had Sean Space, yeah. Spicer 2.0, right? <laughs> I, here and I, I had uh, local reporters. They would, they. The Wichita media was pretty rough. Yeah, huh? they, well, I can tell you some stories. But I, they would say, hey, this is the kind of the story I'm going to go with. And I go, well, that's not actually accurate. It's actually the other thing. She goes, oh, I know, but this is much more interesting. Oh, yeah. Literally to my Jeez. face, tell me, I'm going to run this inaccurate story. Because it's more interesting. Okay. okay. Ridiculous. Yeah. Pretty ridiculous. Good um, movie, by the way, Nightcrawler. Horrifying. Along these lines, if you want to watch a a good movie, uh, it's, it's also, on Netflix. It's also good. It? It's also a good not. bait. Hmm? It's also good bait. Good bait. Who, uh, Jake <laughs> G- <laughs> or fish? Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> it is Jake Gyllenhaal, and okay. he's uh, he's, a, he's uh, good fish bait. He's I've uh, heard that. He records like crime scenes and things happening in the city and sells it to the media. He's and, a stringer. Yeah, and they uh, it just gets out of hand. It's a good movie though. Definitely not anything reality based. But. I think there was a another movie similar with Debbie Rashawn where you know there were like chud like people that um, ate some reporter, but that's probably not uh, <laughs> not a sequel. I think that was the Hill, Hills Have Eyes too. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> Uh, the, the next example that I think was classic, uh, this didn't get broken until well after the 2008 election, but the the journalist, 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 the, the journalist, yeah, with the, the web board. It was basically a it was a misspelling on purpose so that media members could like post on this web board to figure out and, and signal to each other how to explain explain away like stupid things that Barack Obama had either done or said or. Any negative coverage or any um, anything that was gonna make him look bad, they could single each other. How they were gonna ignore mm-hmm. it or explain it away and then move on quickly. You know what's interesting is the it's direct collusion. Well, the the internet has made it so much easier to do the old uh, 1984 style. East East Asia East Asia has always been at war yeah. with West Asia because yeah. they've actually found instant now there's a this website called like the Wayback Machine that actually archives pages at particular points in time and you can go back to different news articles that they've gone and made corrections to favor to favor like certain politicians or people in the public eye yeah. they'll actually change words that have certain connotations to give it a different feel so you're like I forget which I can't think of any specific examples because this was probably a good year ago I was reading about this, but I think it had to do with uh, like terror attacks and like taking certain nationalities and the word Muslim and different things out of different articles to make it to kind of like just clean up these old articles. Well, there was they, you can use Google Cache for that as well. There was an example today, in fact, um, because you know uh, Senator Claire McCaskill was giving uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions a hard time about meeting with the Russians. I don't know the details about it, but Jeff Sessions apparently met with some Russians and had told Congress confirmation hearings 
that he uh, had not mess- met with Russians. And so Claire McCaskill <laughs> made this statement. It's like, you know, I've been on this Foreign Relations Committee for 12 years, and I've never met with the Russians. And um, so, like an hour later, someone posted video of her meeting with the Russian ambassador like a year ago. And the New York Times changed the article and just kind of deleted the line that mentioned her, like, her, her quote. And there was someone who just had... You know, a screen cap of the story before yep. with with that line in there, and a screen cap with the story after, and that line is gone, and there's no like editorial note; it's just gone. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can't. I don't trust any online news uh, site because they they change it, they can change it, they do change it. The, I mean, I'd uh, I'd rather trust a. Well, if you're going to have to trust a news source, at least get the print one because you can't, they're not going to come to your house and, there, uh, and black out different things. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's classic. That was pretty good. That's awesome. Um, so this is uh, one of those near and dear to my heart. The, the bias against the Tea Party in relation to the bias towards... Uh, Occupy Wall Street <laughs> towards Black Lives Matter towards um, the Occupy oh, Madison because how, how Ashley, long did Skywalker's a whatever asshole um, all of those so um, full disclosure back in 2010 uh, Andy's parents were involved in helping organize a tea party event in Washington County at the Washington County Fairgrounds it was attended by about 4,000 people. Um, I submitted... There's a uh, good speaker there. I, yeah, I, 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 uh, I made a submission to give a speech there, and uh, I was allowed to open the event. I was the opener for the openers of the openers. <laughs> Is there video or audio of this speech? I have video of it, There's yes. Of it. I do. Somewhere. It's not on YouTube anymore, but I still have it. But, uh, yes, yeah, so what I remember is, you know, there was about 4,000 people there. They were... Not raining anything. Uh, not a single shot's window was broken. Yeah. Um, the event was... The event grounds were rented. Yeah. They were purchased. There, this, isn't, this isn't people chaining themselves together <laughs> across a fucking freeway and being obnoxious. This was an event that was planned months in advance. The space was rented, paid for, cleaned... And when we say that when conservatives protest, we leave the area they were protesting better than we found it, we're not bullshitting. Yeah. This is what happened. Yeah, I've been, I've been to one or two uh, events like that where the media just totally portrays it differently than it actually happened. I, I didn't see any media coverage for that Tea Party rally we were at, but... Everybody was cordial. There was different people of different races and different, even people that didn't agree with us, and it didn't get out of hand. And then when the whole Walker recall thing was going on, we went to Madison, and it was a whole other story. People yelling at us, calling us scabs, which <laughs> didn't even make sense, spitting, and of course that was not shown on, on no, media absolutely coverage. Not. And then you go and like, you watch their coverage of my uh, favorite. Well, hold on. The coverage of what was it? The Occupy Wall Street, trying to make it seem like they actually had an agenda or something. And then you go on YouTube and you watch people actually there and in uh, interviewing people, and they can't even 
form a valid thought, like, or idea of why they're there. They're just like, um, there's other people here, and... Pull up the videos of Peter Schiff debating <laughs> when people would o- at Occupy Wall Street. It's two hours of just great entertainment. <laughs> yeah. Instead of watching the next, um... What was the movie with the blue people that are on the planet? Oh, Avatar. Av- Instead of watching the next <laughs> Avatar, just watch Peter, she- Peter Schiff debate people at Occupy Wall Street. It is so I mean, entertaining. I'm definitely have- not in favor of any large banks because there's definitely shady stuff going on there. And well, absolutely. But the banking they, system they didn't is even, they a They weren't even like program. hitting on the things that they couldn't even hit on that, the main points. That's, that's why I like, uh, we have a regional bank, which is a pain in the neck because it's in Kansas and I'm in Milwaukee, but, uh, you know, it... The president of the bank lives in my town, and if I wanted to, I could get a meeting with the president of the bank. I mean, he yeah. his office is downtown. I know where his office is, oh, and I President. might I might have to be a pain in the neck, but I could get a president. I could, I could get a meeting with the president of my bank. Can you get a meeting with the president of Bank of America? No, I, I really doubt it. I could sit down across from the president of my bank and go, "Hey, I don't think this is a this is a good deal." I was actually on. Could you, get a, on the can phone you get a meeting with Janet Yellen? Yeah, I was talking to Janet Yellen a minute ago. Y'all didn't even know. I I may know uh, I may know a sitting congressman in a couple months. A guy I used to work with, who is running for Mike Pompeo's seat since Pompeo is running the CIA now. Uh, nice. Let me know. We'll see, he's, maybe he'll offer me a job. When he's standing up, not just sitting. No, I'm just kidding. I ran into Ron Johnson once. <laughs> I, I was really hot telling the story. Yeah. Um, when he was running. Yeah. Oh, Acorn. Oh, yeah. Y'all remember Acorn? That was one where there was actually tree? some... Hmm? Turned into an oak tree. It was a bad joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was one where they actually did do... The Association for Community Organizers for that, Reform. That, yeah, that was the first yeah. one. What, what's that guy's name? James whatever. James O'Keefe. Uh, that, that Operation was, Veritas. That was like the first thing he did was that acorn thing where he dressed up as the That pimp. was back when he was working for yeah, Breitbart. He, he dressed up as the, the, pimp the pimp or whatever. With the pregnant yeah. underage hooker. Who wanted the abortion? Well, that was for Planned Parenthood, not Acorn. No, it was, no, 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 no. no he, you're he, right, you're he, right. Yeah, he wanted money because he was like, yeah, they wanted, small, they wanted a small business taxes. Loan. He wanted a small business loan or some. Yeah, there was something. I, I, I don't recall the details. There are people who hate, hate, hate James O'Keefe. I mean, which, I, which you know, it was breaks for housing costs. He's a. Uh, they wanted a, They wanted to bullshit. Like housing programs, so that they could get free money for housing since they were a pregnant hooker. Yeah, it's like mowing the flat catchers. We've got people hating him because he's kind of like a gotcha, like a gotcha journalism type of guy. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm sure. Under- well, I mean, he's accused of like deceptive editing, etc. So, oh yeah, I don't, I don't really know what he deals. Have you guys read Radical Chic and Mowing the Flat Catchers? No, but. Uh, Apparently, you need Great. to make us a book list. I guess I do. So um, <laughs> I don't we need to get that. I'm still over here trying to get caught up on against empathy. Where did that book go? It's underneath it, the it's, laptop. It's supporting my laptop right now. So it's Tom Tom Wolf. They're very. It's it's two kind of long form articles that, that he wrote together. Radical Chic and Mama and the Flat Catchers. Radical Chic is about how um, uh, a couple of um, kind of Upper Crest New Yorkers hosted a fundraiser for the Black Panthers, uh, Leonard Bernstein. And Mau Mau and the Flat Catchers is about... Uh, I mean, Bernstein uh, is a very Black Panther name. So, 
Mal Marion the Flat Catchers is about um, kind of uh, being really aggressive with uh, kind of kind of the black radical movement being really aggressive with with um, people who would like give grants and stuff through through government programs to to get grants. So and then really it'll take an afternoon to read both. Um, they're really interesting insights oh. into the like late sixties, early seventies political climate. Hmm. Tom Wolf, great stuff. Also, someone know. who's very hated. Where's white suits? <laughs> what do you do? It makes him and uh, Colonel Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy from Jurassic Park. And they probably have and one of three in common, too. <laughs> they've both killed uh, and I'm not men with their teeth. Chicken, but <laughs> Original recipe. Next time, original recipe. <laughs> By Tom the Wolf. Duke Lacrosse rape scandal. We all remember this. A poor black exotic dancer being raped by a gang of privileged white athletes. Only problem was, it was totally bullshit. But, kind of like what we talked about before, it makes a great story, it fits the narrative, you report the story, report the story, report the story, report the story, but it's not a story. And then as soon as you know that it's not a story, you just move on to the next thing and don't oh, talk yeah. about it anymore. So one thing to recall about that, if that one player had not left with his girlfriend and gotten a gas with his credit card, they may have all been convicted. There were The reason that oh, it didn't yeah. work was he went and he left with his girlfriend and they went and stopped and got gas with his credit card and he had a receipt with a timestamp that was right in the middle of when he was supposed to have uh, been raping this girl. Because he was, you know, a specific named person and it's like, you know, I've got yeah. this receipt. I was 10 miles away uh, with a witness in my car and there's proof that I wasn't there. Meanwhile, um, he was being raped at the gas pump. <laughs> oh snap! So yeah, that was that's like what year was, was that? That's even worse than my three Reichs in your own policy. That was two thousand and seven. Okay. So I think Stuart Taylor. There was a couple of um, college professors who wrote a book about it. I think one of those guys, one of the professors, was actually at Duke, um, who was just disgusted by. Uh, by the whole affair, because they had that was that they had that big uh, group of like a hundred professors who signed some letter condemning the players uh, before anything had really been figured out. But it's the same thing with that Rolling Stone article, which it's pretty Papa clear was a Rolling Stone. It's pretty clear all that was was uh, made up. Well, yeah, people just trying to. Do social justice pretty much without going through court of laws and being judged in the public court before you can get into an actual courtroom. I mean, look at the court of public opinion. Court of public, yeah, court of public opinion. You're trying to make it an outrage or something before the facts are known. Yeah, look at how much the OJ thing is still. We were just talking about this uh, before we were recording. What are the odds that OJ is uh, acquitted if? Ronnie King didn't get the shit kicked out of him by a bunch of racist cops, and then the cops didn't get thrown in jail. Yeah. If either of those things, like, if either he didn't get the shit kicked out of him, or the cops had all gotten thrown in jail for doing it. Or just, you know, the media not running with it night and day for a year, 
or whatever it was. And the LA riots that came out. I mean, it happened. That shit oh, happened. Yeah. So like, they're right to report on it. Like, they can they can be biased all they want, but like, if a spade's in front of them, they're perfectly fine in calling a spade a spade. But I mean, it, it happened. They can talk about it for sure. Like, they didn't inaccurately report any of that, to my knowledge. But if that didn't happen, there is no way that OJ walked away from that trial. Oh, no. Innocent. Yeah. <laughs> it's just sick that he did. Um, we were saying, me, me and Amanda were watching it, and we're like, you know, how come they didn't get OJ to play this? Because he, he's such a narcissist, he would have. <laughs> well, he's, he's in, in jail. Right he's now. in jail. Yeah. If he wasn't, in, if he wasn't in prison, he would have. He would have been, you know, first in line to play the part of OJ. Probably wouldn't want everyone to see how fat he is right now. But. <laughs> uh, let's run through uh, before we all pass out. Uh, Major Nadal Hassan, Fort Hood killer, uh, wanted to downplay play his religion. We can attach that to the San Bernardino killers, where. The mantra until we knew exactly how religious, like how Islamically motivated those that attack was, to downplay their oh, names yeah. and who it was and say, "Oh, we don't know that this is Islamic terrorism." The same with the uh, the gay nightclub shooting in Orlando. Um, but my favorite one recently was well, yeah, I use the word favorite, obviously. Most interesting one. Most interesting one recently was the. Um, the one in France with uh, like first, oh, with the Eagles of Death Metal. They, what day was it? It was on. Uh, so you talking about the truck driving? Through yeah, the, the crowd? truck driving through the crowd yeah, on nice, the holiday uh, Bastille Day. Bastille Day, yeah. And I read an article on it, and it was you like read the day an it, article? It was the, well, it, the day it happened because I was read? I was at Bastille Days in at the moment, Milwaukee, okay. and then I went home later and was like looking at Bastille Days. I'm like, oh, there was this attack, and. The first, like, the article went out of its way to say that, like, this truck driver ran down somebody who wasn't Muslim. Like, I was reading this, I'm like, wow, they're literally going out of their way to say that somebody who was not Muslim got killed because they didn't want to, like, make it seem like they were targeting... Or they made oh they made it sorry I totally got that there wrong. was one person they, there that got was, ran over who the, was Muslim there was one person that got ran over that was Muslim and they were the only person they specified the religion of they're like this this truck went through Bastille days and they ran over this poor old lady who was Muslim and then twelve other people we don't care about them you know but but there was a Muslim person that got run over because you know that truck driver when he was driving through was like. All right, all the Muslims get out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, driving. there was literally there was no added value to that article. There was nothing except to try to like be ambiguous about the motivation of the. Try to and then like a day the later, the attempt was to mislead. The attempt was to mislead. The attempt was to like say this person wasn't wasn't. And then obviously, it turned out that the person I don't I don't remember exactly, but I think it turned out that they were. Yeah, well. I believe so. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, why did they, yeah, this no, journalist was, go through, sure. jump through these hoops to, to say that? They could have just said there was twelve victims, but no. No, no. There was we, There's twelve we victims. Don't, we don't and know one the motivation of the attacker, victim. and one person killed was Muslim. So yeah. that means it was probably Christians. It was just like the Crusades all over. Probably it was. Yeah. It was definitely. It was. It, was, it might have been Ivanka Trump actually. I, yeah. Definitely was. Uh, Abu Ghraib um, used to uh, infer that there is an endemic problem of all U.S. soldiers mistreating Iraqi civilians. 
that was there was an isolated that incident. Was a and big many story. of the photos used were photoshopped. I mean, that was and uh, made up in like uh, the, shown on the national media. I mean, Photoshop photos that they put on CBS News or NBC News. Mm-hmm. Were they photoshopped? I didn't. I, I no, no, no. There was there was a real instance. Like some shit happened, right? Yeah. And they conflated that to make it seem like American soldiers were doing this shit to anyone that they could get a hold of. And there was a lot more photos that were added that were photoshopped. Because okay. the only ones, that, the only photos that are in my memory are the one with Lindy England pointing at the guy with the collar. Mm-hmm. And and the guys on the pyramid, yeah, and then like one the one with the black sacks over their head. So that's the only ones that have stuck in in my memory. So those are you asserting that any of those were photoshopped? Those are the ones I. I'm saw. not sure which ones are real and which ones are like. We have to go through that. Would take more time. From all my accounts, I've heard that uh, Guantanamo was just a nice place to stay. Get mo. No, I just get mo. Get mo. Club get mo. Does that mean you get mo? Uh, yeah, so Gitmo, um, what's interesting about it is not like, I mean, we can talk about what supposedly did or did not happen there or how much weight the prisoners put on because of how good the menu was. Uh, we can leave all of that alone, but we can talk about how the media display described it as being so unbelievably terrible when Bush was in office. Obama vowed to close it. He signed an executive order to, within a year, close it immediately after taking office. And fact check. They're all still, I mean, they're still there. It's not not closed. Um, When they say closed Gitmo, they're talking about the prison, not the U.S. military base. The prison. The prison. Uh, So my favorite, and what we will finish on today, The Fast and the Furious. And the Furious. (laughs) Absolutely. So, uh, Iran-Contra was a huge deal. Um, And, you know, rightly so. Um, We talked about the guy who outed the fact that the CIA was involved in selling some drugs in parallel with Pablo Escobar to make some extra money to try to also fight the... The Sandinista government, or the the communist Sandinistas, and then that was then conflated to mean that all cocaine and all crack was because of the CIA, and the destruction of black culture was because of the CIA. Well, I, so that I conflation. I am a little older than you guys, so I was it was more within my memory. I do not recall uh, me as an old person. I do not recall. That being pushed in the media, I was not what really a bit. So, as far as I know, it's still widely considered a, a ridiculous conspiracy theory that the CIA introduced crack cocaine and to destroy. I mean, culture. for all, damn near everybody that I've ever is, talked to, um, it is except so, for the people that uh, don't. I, I do. I do recall. I, was it Ollie North who said that I did it? I'm glad I did it, and I'd do it again. Uh, that was Iran Contra, right? Yeah. So that was Iran Contra. Oh, that's what we were talking about. That's part of what I'm talking about. So that, that, I mean, that shit, I mean, we know as much as we're going to know about that. I mean, that happened. No, okay, so in the mid-90s, um, who was the guy? Who was the reporter who figured out that the CIA had sold some drugs? Um, some, like, I think it was, God, this is where my, my ignorance on some of the details. Are you talking about killing Pablo and Mark, Mark Bowden? No, or. No. 
Interesting book, by the way. Let's see. Who is the... This is one thing I have no idea about. No, this is like in the mid-90s. It's like 96. It wasn't a wrong contra then. Well, that's when, was it, 80s. that's when it got figured out. I thought you were talking about the... Was Fast and Furious was more recently where they that's were the, Obama. That's we, the guns. we got distracted before we got there. We're going to get to it. We, we got, we got get distracted. To it. I feel like it's always it's just a bad idea fault. to give guns and funds to like terrorist organizations and you know, um, no we're, we're talking about this first okay and dude okay okay fuck you <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah fuck to uh to use uh joe rogan's favorite line in all this <laughs> podcast will you shut up you fuck <clears throat> i need to listen to that so this is like a few days ago pablo escobar's son claiming that his dad worked for the cia wow and was, yeah, was, like, selling drugs so that they could, like, funnel, like, a huge amount of their money to the CIA to, to fight the Sandinista government. Uh, what was the repeated report here? I want to say it was, like, 96. Gary Webb. Do, 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 do. Kill the Messenger was the, uh, let's see, when did he come out? 19, Mercury News in 96. Examined the origins of the crack cocaine trade in Los Angeles and claimed that the members of the anti-communist Contra rebels in Nicaragua played a major role in creating the trade. Blah, blah, blah. Using cocaine profits to support the struggle. So there was like an attachment and he made a connection to the CIA that the CIA was involved in allowing some movement and helping some drug movement in order to get more money to allow the Sandinistas to fight the Contra government. Hmm. And then that got conflated to mean that the overall cocaine trade that was happening, which was, I mean, we can debate whether it was 99.9% or 99 or 98%, but the huge part of it, the rest of it, the almost all of it that was going to happen anyway and was happening and they were doing a shitty incompetent job of stopping was already happening when what did major damage to our cities. It was conflated to mean that the crack epidemic is because of the CIA. Ah. Uh, because. Because that would be their, in their best interest. I hashtag fake news. <laughs> so back to, again, my favorite of, of recent memory, Fast and the Furious supplying guns to Mexican narco-terrorists. With the the goal apparently to then kind of like keep track of like where those guns showed <laughs> up on crime scenes when there's like jam. dead bodies and shit, so we can see where they went. How Fucking just... genius, brilliant, genius. I can't even like how Eric Holder kept his job after that. I can't even fathom. Without a complicit sock puppet press, it would be literally impossible. So, as I described many hours ago in my opening monologue about the left-wing complicit media, how the right has gotten so pissed off at it and annoyed by it, and how it was so easy for someone who is just pulling bullshit strings like Trump 
saying obnoxious things, how that was accepted because he was hitting the liberal media where it hurt. Even hitting them where it didn't hurt. Hitting them where it made sense, hitting them where it didn't make sense. Because it was fun. It's kind of a it's a good strategy on his part. If, I mean, if you works. know whatever you say, they're gonna run with or try to flip on you. Why not just say something fake? Because then they're what are they stuck with? The only thing they can say is that it's, it's fake or not true, which they were probably gonna do anyway. They're gonna do that. So anyway. now we know, like, well, we know it's like a double negative. We know that what he's saying is already fake, and now the now the uh, the mainstream media or the the main media is saying it's fake. So we're like, okay, we're all on the same page. There's no yeah, we knew flipping he was anything. Like, it, it sounded like he was kidding when he said it. So why are you taking that seriously and not like talking about this like whatever other shit's going on at the same time? This was irritating because he was saying things that were just obviously not true. Like, I had the greatest uh, electoral victory since Reagan. Yeah. No, I mean, that's verifiably false. There was these three million um, fraudulent voters. No. no. I mean, (laughs) I think there's a lot of voter fraud that we're never going to find. And we're not going to find evidence from because we can't. Because the way that we, the way that we register people and record votes, it would be impossible to catch. Well, and so you're not going to find evidence of it because you can't. But three million is is just I mean that's kind of a ridiculous number. It's, it's the it's the Russell's teapot uh, argument or uh, fallacy, where you say something so outlandish that you can't be proven false, based on because you can't prove the negative. Because the the idea was that some I forgot who it was professor came up with that there's a teapot floating between like Neptune and Venus and orbiting the Earth or orbiting the Sun. And he's like, well, you can't disprove it, <laughs> so it must be true. The Russell's teapot. Oh, there you go. That's I learned. I learned a new metaphor today. Yeah. Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> well, I'm gonna be rustling with that one all night. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, like, the point that I was, that I had made before, not like that's just yeah. <laughs> Did I just derail it? <laughs> it's just yeah, I'm, I'm dead now. Like that's it. Um, that he's getting away with saying things that his supporters didn't care about because they didn't really take seriously because they they knew that he was just BSing, which is dumb. A president shouldn't do. It's not good. <clears throat> and the left was just getting apoplectic about because like he's lying. I'm like yeah, but it's it's dumb shit. It's what St. Augustine referred to as the humorous lie. Humorous. Or St. Thomas, one of those two guys. One of those old dead white guys. In any event... Although Augustine was technically an African. Fan. You had a fan of... St. Augustine? I don't know. St. Thomas? I, I, don't, I don't know what St. No, that's not, I'm, I'm not talking about the strategy. I'm not a fan of the uh, strategy. I think it's bad. I think it's not good. Divisive, it's what's interesting is that how well it worked. What's irritating is how well it worked. And if the media wasn't so bad at its job, it shouldn't have worked. Yeah, so at that, concur, we will adjourn. We will adjourn. Amen. Meow, man. Okay, good evening. See you next week.